Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Oppressed and enslaved in the land of Egypt for hundreds of years. The people of Israel cried out to God for help. Seeing the affliction of his people, God began his redemptive plan to one day lead them out of slavery and into the promised land. So God appeared to Moses saying, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Pharaoh would not let the people go, though plague after plague served as a sign to him of God's power and sovereignty. Not until the tenth and final plague was Pharaoh finally moved to send the people of God away. So they left the land of Egypt and crossed through the Red Sea, passing from slavery to freedom. Welcome everybody. Welcome to ACF Church. We are so glad that you are with us today. If you're online, we are so grateful that you're coming back and you're with us again today. And we have been on a journey over the last several weeks. We've been going from Christmas to Easter through Exodus is what we've been doing. And so it's, it's been an amazing journey. And, and if you're new to ACF Church, whether here in person or maybe you're watching online for the first time, we just want to say welcome. Thank you for being part of our community today. We hope that you can experience just that community here in person or even if you're watching online and that you uh, were able to, to kind of leave here today just feeling like known and loved and, and know that you have a place here. And so we're so grateful for everyone joining online here in person. So uh, first thing, this is not part of my notes, but it's a little bit full in the room today, uh, which is awesome, which is awesome. And um, so because of that, we are going to continue. We're thinking about moving forward just to continue to make space. And so many of you in this room may have gotten a text, I believe yesterday, just asking if you would be interested in attending a Wednesday night service. So Wednesday night is something we used to do before COVID. It was an awesome service. It was, it was a full ACF church service just on Wednesday night for those who have to work on the weekends, those of you who want to camp on the weekends. And, uh, but it it was a full church service. And so if you got that text, we're just looking to see if there's some people who would be committed to coming to Wednesday night instead of Sunday, maybe serving on Sunday, but like Wednesday night would be your service. And so if you would be able to help us by um, connecting with that text and just responding to it, letting us know if you'd be willing to, um, to, to come to Wednesday night. And even if you're watching online and you got that text, um, I know there's a lot of people, our Wednesday nighters have been watching online and outposts. And so if that's you, just respond to that text and let us know if you'd be willing to commit to Wednesday night service. It'd just be great great to know that we have a group of people ready to go for Wednesday night church. So we're in our series. We're actually wrapping up our series today, Into the Wild. Like I said, we've been on a journey through Exodus, and we're not actually going to complete the entire book of Exodus, but the first half of it. And today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open them up. Um, if you read your Bible on your phone, open up your, uh, your Bible on your phone. If you like don't have a Bible, you're like new to this whole thing, no problem at all. Um, we actually have an ACF app. You could just get on your phone, download it right now. 
and there's a Bible on that app, and the scripture will be behind me on the screen and on this TV, but I want to encourage you guys to, to read along today. And so we've been on this journey, and I don't have time to like go back and talk about everything that's already happened. But today we're in this, this tenth and final plague. God has been showing his power in Egypt, and, and today uh, is, is this day, it's known as Passover, um, is, is about to be instituted in Israel. And so we're going to go ahead and jump into this, but I'm going I'm to open us up with prayer first. You guys would go ahead and bow your heads. God, we worship you today. We declare that you are God and that you are great. And God, I pray that today, right now, as we enter into a conversation, as we enter into your story, Lord, that we would be moved, we would be convicted, we would be challenged, we would be healed, God, from brokenness, and that your spirit would do work in our hearts today. Let us leave this place just one step closer to you today, Jesus. Open our eyes and our ears and our minds, God, to hear you and see you today. In your name we pray, amen. All right, let's jump into this. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. Here we go. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of the months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, shall make your count for the lamb. The lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take from it, so you may take from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lamb at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the house in which they eat it. Then they shall eat uh, the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled and watered, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, with your sandals on your feet, and with your staff in your hand. And you shall eat, in the, you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are, and when, you, when, when I see the blood, I will pass over, and no plague will befall, befall you and destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt." Okay, that's kind of weird, huh? Like, can we start by just going, okay, I don't, I don't get this. This is kind of crazy. What is going on here? We're going to talk about this, and there is so much just in this entire chapter. That was only the first 13 verses to unpack, and we don't, we're not going to have the opportunity to, to go through all of it today, but I want to go on a journey with you guys because there's some things I think we can take away from this. See, what we need to understand is Israel's story, it's our story. It's our story. What they go through and what they experience, we still go through and we still experience to this day. And I want to, I want to help us see that and understand that. 
So what's happening here? There's something interesting. I never really picked up on it, actually, until I, I really started to dive into the scripture as I knew I was going to be preaching it today. And what's going on here? Something really interesting. The first thing that's happening here is Israel is asked to have faith and act on that faith for the first time in their history. For the first time in the, in the history of the people of Israel, they've never been asked to have faith before. They've never been asked to obey before. They've just kind of been, like Abraham was asked to have faith and obey, and Isaac and Jacob was asked to have faith and obey, but beyond that, they've just kind of lived. They moved into Egypt, and it's been 400 years. They haven't heard from God. And now, in this moment in time, in this moment in time, Moses is coming to the people, and he's saying, it's time to have faith, and it's time to obey. And some of you in this room remember the first time that you had, like, faith in God. Some of you guys remember the first time you kind of took a step of obedience in that faith. Some of you guys watching right now remember the first time that you had faith. And some of you in this room or some of you watching right now have no memory of having faith in God because you don't. And that's completely okay. We're so glad you're here. And to be honest, Israel hadn't had any faith of God either up until this point. And so there's, there's just this interesting moment where God is saying, it's time to have faith. They're having faith for the first time. See, and what they had to realize and what God was showing them is that saving faith is displayed through public obedience. Like, God was not just asking like, hey, believe in me, trust me, and, and kind of do nothing about it because honestly, that has already happened. Right, like Moses shows up and he's like, everybody, it's gonna be okay. God's gonna deliver you. And they're like, mm, okay, like, I guess we trust you. And then so Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go, and they all get let go, right? No, it gets so much worse. <laughs> I'm here to deliver you, and it just got worse. Right, in fact, the people are like, uh, may God curse you, Moses. Like, don't do that again. We're, we're good. We don't need you as our savior, right? Moses shows up. He's like, hey, have some faith. God's going to deliver you. And, and to their perspective, it doesn't happen at all. It just gets worse for them. And so now what they're having to learn is like Moses is coming back to them now and saying, hey, we need to have some faith and we actually have to do something about it. Because the truth is faith, is, faith has substance, right? Like faith is more than just something that happens in your head. And faith is more than just something that happens in your heart. Now, faith does happen in your head and it does happen in your heart, but it, it can't just stay there because saving faith will, will drive you, will cause you to walk and step into obedience in God. And the reality is when, when God is asking uh, Israel to have faith, he's actually giving them two kind of components to, to enact in their faith. And the first thing is this, is God gave them a very practical thing to do. A very practical thing to do. Now, when we read it, we're like, that sounds completely impractical, right? Like, right, your belt tucked in, you're ready to eat with your staff in your hand. Like, why? Like, who does this? This, is, this doesn't sound practical. But, but the reality is he's giving them an opportunity to obey. It's very practical. You're, you're either going to do this thing or you're not going to do this thing, right? I'm asking you to have faith, and I'm helping you in this journey of faith, and I'm giving you something very practical to do. Have faith and obey. Have faith and obey. Now, when I'm talking about having faith, we need to understand something really important. Because we can get really down on ourselves, beat ourselves up over this, this truth. And this, the truth is this, that 
God is not asking Israel, and he doesn't even ask us to have this, like, completely perfect faith. That, like, I have no doubts, I have all the trust in the world, God's going to do what he says he's going to do, and I just believe it 100%, I got no questions about it. Like, that's not at all what's going on right here. That's not how God works. In fact, one, one, of my, one of my favorite stories in the New Testament, one of my most favorite stories is there's this moment where this dad has this son, and the son is, is demon-possessed, and he's hurting himself, throwing himself in the fire, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And this dad, in his just desperation, comes to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, heal my son. And Jesus says, do you believe that I can heal your son? And this response is so beautiful and so pure and so true. The father says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Right? Help my unbelief. Yes, I do have faith, but I'm wrestling with it. I don't know. I believe you can. I don't know if you will, but uh, help my unbelief. Right? And Jesus talks about a faith the size of a mustard seed. Like, if this is what God is calling Israel to do. Enough faith to do this. Just take a step. Like, I'm not asking you to trust me all the way. You can't see the end of the story. I've told you I'm going to free you, but really, it's, you've seen the opposite of that so far, but I'm working something out. Just enough faith to take a step, and that's it. He's calling them to obey. See, faith leads us to obedience because we believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And up until this point, Israel really hasn't seen it. They haven't seen it. But there's been momentum building, right? Like, I've heard people say, people have asked me before, like, Josh, why ten plagues? Like, why did they have to go through nine other ones before they got to the one where Pharaoh let people go? Like, why couldn't they started with that one? And the reality is, Israel's faith wasn't ready to obey. You see, they, they had never seen God be faithful. They'd never seen God do what he says he's going to do. And all of a sudden, these plagues start happening. I'm going to do this. God does what he says he's going to do. I'm going to do this. God does what he says he's going to do. I'm going to do this. God says he's going to, he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And, and these, these, these plagues are actually literally combating the gods of Egypt. Every single one was a direct assault on the gods of Egypt, the gods that Israel had been serving. And so as these assaults happen, they keep seeing God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the great I am, like winning these battles. And he says he's going to send this, and he does. And what God is doing is he's building the faith of Israel, getting them ready to take a step of obedience. And maybe in your life you've been there where you're like, I've never seen God be faithful. I've never seen him do what he says he's going to do in my life. But I would challenge you, maybe take a step back and look at things happening in your life, circumstances in your life where you're like, was that just random or was that God doing what he says he's going to do? Was that God being faithful? See, God wants to build your faith. He just doesn't expect you to have it out of thin air. He works on it in your life, and he works on it in your heart, just like he was doing with Israel, getting them ready for this 10th plague to take a step of obedience within their faith. See, God gave them something very practical to do in obedience. They were either going to do it or they weren't. The other thing that God gave them was something very public to do, right? Something very public. Take the blood and paint it on the doorposts and the lintel of your house. I think that would have drawn some attention, right? Like, I think in Egypt, the Egyptians are going what are the slaves doing? It's kind of weird, kind of gross. Like, did, did we break them? Like, have they just lost it now? Like, they're sitting here painting blood all over their houses. That's kind of weird, because it is kind of weird. In case you haven't figured it out, this is kind of weird. And they're doing it, but it's very public. Everybody can see what's going on. 
See, they didn't, Israel didn't even really re- recognize this, but salvation was coming for them. And the truth is, salvation is supposed to be very public. God's salvation is supposed to be very, very public. I often have conversations, I remember conversations with some friends I had one time, and, and they had faith in God and all this stuff, but they would always say these things. They would say, oh, my faith, it's really personal. It's just this personal, private thing. Like, it's just between me and God. But the problem is, that's not true. That's not faith. Faith is not just personal and private. Like, it is a personal thing between us and God, but at the same time, it's not supposed to be private. It's not supposed to be this thing that we just kind of keep hidden to ourselves. In fact, like we read, Jesus talks about like what? He talks about like a city on a hill. Like you can't miss it. I don't know if you've ever driven to Las Vegas in the middle of the night, but you drive from L.A. to Vegas, make that trip, and you're in the middle of the desert, it's pitch black, and all of a sudden it's like, wham, lights everywhere. You, you can't miss it, right? It's, it's very public. It's a light in the darkness. My wife and I, we have this, beautiful view of Mount Baldy from our kitchen and from our bedroom, our living room, just this phenomenal view of Baldy. And, and, and we like to get up in the morning, my wife and I, we get up about 5 a.m. And, and we head to the gym. Well, like about every morning we get up, it's dark still, won't be for long, but it's dark right now at 5 a.m. And we look at Baldy and we can see one, two, three little headlamps making their way up Baldy. In the middle of the night, from miles away, just these little headlamps, and we can see them working their way at Baldy. If that's you, props, right? Good, <laughs> Good job. I love to hike Baldy. I hike it all the time, but it is every single morning, there's three headlamps going up Baldy. They, they can't be missed. Light in the darkness will not be missed. The only time it's not seen is when it is intentionally concealed. See, and this is what God is calling Israel to do. Be public with your obedience. Be public with this faith. Right? Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19, these are the last words that Jesus preaches to us. He says, go into all the world, make disciples, teach them everything I have taught you, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is what you're supposed to do. Go and make this thing public. And just as kind of a side note, this piece, when Jesus says go into all the world, that's what we read, but that's, that's not an, a very good translation of that. A better translation of what Jesus is saying is, as you go into the world. See, when I used to hear go into the world, I thought it meant, like, I got to go to Uganda, I got to go to Kenya, I got to go to, you know, Honduras, I got to go on these mission trips far into the world to preach the gospel. No, but what Jesus is saying is, as you go into the world. In other words, as you go to Fred Meyer, Preach the gospel, make disciples. As you go to school, preach the gospel, make disciples. As you go to work, as you go to PT, right? As you go to whatever it is that you do, as you go, make disciples in your everyday life. Now, be public with your faith. And what is it? It is baptize them. It's amazing that when we say yes to Jesus, when we put our faith in him, our first step of obedience is to go public with our faith in baptism. It's the first step of obedience that we're supposed to do. And wouldn't you know it, what a coincidence, we have baptisms happening today at ACF Church. Like, it was amazing. I think we had nine people get baptized in the first service already. God is at work. But what we need to realize is this is a step of obedience. 
It is to go public with your faith. It's the first thing that believers are called to do when they put their faith in Jesus is to get baptized. Is to be public with your faith. To have a faith that causes you to take a step forward. And you might go, I don't understand baptism. Why do I need to do it? It's kind of scary. It's kind of crazy. But all I know is I have enough faith to go, okay, I'm going to take a step forward in this. And this is what God is asking Israel to do. To take a step forward in their faith. But we need to understand something. Because we're talking about faith this morning. And we're talking about this faith that Israel had in God and enough to take a step of obedience. But what we also need to realize is what you put your faith in matters. What you put your faith in matters. It actually matters a lot. Because there are a lot of people that have a lot of faith in a lot of different things, and it's just going to do nothing for them. In fact, when you look at Pharaoh in this story, Pharaoh had a lot of faith. Pharaoh had a lot of faith in his, in his gods of Egypt that they were going to overcome this Yahweh, right? He had a lot of faith in his gods that they were going to defeat this God that he had no idea who he was. In fact, Pharaoh not only had a lot of faith in his Egyptian gods, he had a lot of faith in himself. In fact, not only that, but Pharaoh thought he was a god. And not just any god, he thought he was the ultimate god of Egypt, Egypt worshipped him as the ultimate God. Pharaoh thought he was Egyptian, or, uh, Egypt's savior, right? That all good commerce was going to come because it was going to go through Pharaoh, right? Like all good uh, uh, political uh, just uh, scene in Egypt was going to happen. It was going to be good because of Pharaoh. All the influence on all the other nations around Egypt, all the war, all the battles, all the military might, it was all because of Pharaoh, right? He saw himself as a God. And he had a lot of faith in himself. And you might go, that sounds kind of crazy to think you're a God. I don't think I'm a God. That's, that's crazy people think they're gods, right? Yes, crazy people often think they're gods. But what we need to understand and what we need to realize is we're not that far off from this either. We may not think we're the God of a nation and that we're going to control the United States of America because God has sent us here to control it all. But we certainly often think that just about our own lives, right? Like, I am the God of my life. I am in control of what I do. I am in control of, my, of the prosperity that I have, right? I'm in control because I'm a hard worker. I'm in control because, you know, I am healthy. I work out. I'm fit. I'm in control of my health. I'm in control of my finances. I'm in control of my family. I get to decide what I do in this world, right? Like, I am the God of my life. And we think we have this, like, control over our lives, but the reality is we have no control over our lives, right? Like when we put our faith in, in either ourselves or the Egyptian gods, right? When we put our faith in the stock market or we put our faith in our company or we just put our faith because, man, I work out all the time and I'm super healthy and I, I don't eat any bad stuff, right? Like I'm going to live forever. The way things are going right now, like I am eating clean, I'm working out, I'm in control of this stuff. Now, there, there's something about making wise decisions, of course. The Bible's very clear that we need to, to live wisely, but to be in control? We think we're fit, we think we're healthy, we think we're in control, and then a very, very good friend of mine just on Facebook last week was posting about how his 26-year-old healthy daughter had a stroke. Like that, in the hospital. Can't eat, can't breathe on her own. 
Now, fortunately, by the grace of God, she's starting to recover, right? And, and, and she's starting to be able to go through therapy and learn how to walk again. But was she in control of that? <laughs> no way. We think we're in control, but we are not in control. And, and we carry this burden. We carry this burden of being our own saviors. We think, if I just do the right things, and if I go the right way, and I say the right things, and I eat the right stuff, and I invest the right way, like, I will be my own savior. And tomorrow at 4 p.m., everything you own in the stock market could be gone. And you have zero control over that. Right? We are not our own gods, and we are not our own saviors. And that's, that's a huge burden to carry to try to be your own savior. You see, the reality is, what we need to understand is that judgment was coming to Egypt. Judgment was going to come to Egypt. And the only thing that was able to save Israel was, was one thing. They were asked to put their faith in one thing and one thing alone. That was the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb was going to be the thing that saved them, and nothing else was going to be able to. See, God's judgment was coming to Egypt. It was coming now, and we don't like this idea of God's judgment. We sometimes in church, we kind of squirm like, oh, judgment, God's judgment. Like, it's, it's awkward to talk about sometimes. I'll be honest. We don't really like judgment. Well, that's not true either. We actually really do like judgment. Um, let me paint a picture for you like this. Like, you're driving down the highway, right? And you're, you're clicked in and cruise control, and you're, it's a sunny day, it's beautiful, and then all of a sudden in your rear mirror, you see someone coming up on you fast. And they pass you going so fast, like it feels like you're going backwards, right? What's the first thing you think? Man, I hope there's a police officer up there, right? Man, I hope there's a police officer up there. Now, 99% of the time when you get in your car, you are praying you have no encounters and never see a police officer on the highway, right? Like, just let me get from point A to point B without any interruptions, no police officers. But that moment, you are praying for judgment, Right? You are praying. And then you, you drive another mile down the road and the lights are flashing and you're like waving as you drive by. I see you, speeder. I see you. Have a good day. Right? You want judgment. You want it. And then you're like, you even get angry, like if you drive five miles down the road after that happens and there is no one pulled over. And you're like, where are the police at today? Not doing their job. That's where they're at. This guy got off scot free. Right? Because we want judgment. We do want judgment. The problem is with our scenario is what we, what we fail to admit is that we're, we're clicked in at 75 driving down the highway, right? <laughs> we're driving 10 over, but it's okay because everyone around me is driving 10 over. But that guy, he was that was, that was, that was, that was a bit much, right? He was being a little extra with his speed. I, I, I'm, I, 10 over, 9 over, that's, we're good, right? We don't mind judgment, but we... We have a problem, we don't have a problem with judgment, we have a problem with God's judgment. And the reason we have a problem with God's judgment, I think there's a couple different reasons. One is, we can't really aim it at anybody without it aiming right back at us. Right, we understand, like, if we really understand the concept of God's judgment, we're like, man, there's really no escape for me either. God's judgment's completely fair, it's completely right, it's completely just, it's completely true. And so what we understand is, I got some stuff in my life that probably would fall under the category of God's judgment. But I want it for you, and I want it for you. I don't want it for you, though, because you're my friend. But this guy's a jerk. God's judgment, amen. 
right? But that's not how God's judgment works. See, in, in, in Egypt, God's judgment came to the land of Egypt. It didn't just come to the Egyptians. This is something we're going to talk about a little more in just a second here, but what we need to understand was God's judgment came to every single household in the land, both Egyptian and children of Israel. They all experienced God's judgment that night. You see, sin is serious. God is showing Egypt and he's showing Israel in this moment, in this night, how serious sin is. Sin is not something to be just swept under the rug. Sin is not something we just turn a blind eye to. Sin is serious, and the only payment for sin is death. It's the only payment for sin. Romans 3.23 says that the wages or the payment of sin is death. In Romans 5.12, it says, Through one man, sin entered the world. That one man being Adam. Through one man, sin entered the world, and sin brought death. Sin and death go hand in hand. They are partners in crime together. And the only thing that, that can be a payment for sin is death. And that is what Israel and that is what Egypt were going to learn on that very night. Death entered every household in the land of Egypt that night. Death entered every household. For the Egyptians, it was the death of their firstborn son and the death of the firstborn male animal that they had. For the Israelites, it was the lamb. The lamb took the death of the people. Every household experienced death. Like there's a reason why the people of Israel were supposed to have the lamb actually live with them for a time before they killed it. It was to create a bond. It was to make it sting when they had to kill it because they were supposed to realize, oh, this is serious. This is not something to joke around about. Like death and sin are real and we are experiencing them tonight. But for the children of Israel... The lamb took the judgment on their behalf. It was a substitute for them. And, and that was the only thing that was different. Death and, and judgment came to every house that night. And all Israel had to do was take the blood of that lamb and paint it across their door and down their doorpost, and they were covered by that sacrifice. But can you imagine if, if Israel had done this instead? I think, we, I think if this would have happened in modern days, a lot of us would have done this. Maybe even me, attempted to do this, right? Like Moses comes to the people and he says, okay, you're going to kill the lamb. You're going to paint the do- blood over the doorpost. It's going to be covering for you. And we go, okay, Moses, I hear you. Sounds like a good idea. But I think I got a better idea. Instead of putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, because that's kind of gross and weird, um, I'm just going to go ahead and start writing my, my good deeds on the doorpost. We're good. Like, I did not make that post on Facebook last night. Good deed. Right? Like, I smiled at that jerk in the office. I, you know, and we start writing our good deeds on the doorpost. I think this is how we often try to receive our salvation, right? And then over here on this doorpost, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write down all the hours I've spent at church. In fact, I got an app. I just open up my app, and as soon as I get to church, and it starts logging my minutes, and when I leave church, I close the app, and then I get a report of, like, every weekly attendance. Man, I've spent hours in church this month. This God's going to be impressed with this. I'm going to write down all the Bible verses I've memorized. Okay, I haven't memorized any Bible verses. Um, I'm going <laughs> to... 
I'm going to write down uh, logged reading hours. I got my Bible app, and it actually has streaks. I know how many days I've been reading my Bible. Well, actually, it just streaks how many times you open the app. You don't have to read the Bible. But, you know, I got like a 272-day streak going on, God. You've got to be impressed with this. I think this is how we often try to receive our salvation. This is often how we try to cover ourselves from our sin. But what we have to realize, the reality is, our accomplishments amount to nothing in the face of sin. Our accomplishments cover nothing in the face of sin. And yet, over and over again, we try to substitute or, or, or the blood of the Lamb or just take our salvation on ourselves. We put our faith in ourselves like, I'm good. I can do this. Have you seen what I've done lately, God? Our accomplishments amount to nothing. There is one thing and one thing only that was going to cover the people from God's judgment. The blood of the lamb. I love this quote. It's by Ed Stetzer, and this is what it says. It says, The movement of the Israelites from slaves of Pharaoh to servants of the Lord involves divine redemption. It also involves the obedient response of God's people to his word. The Passover is both bloody and beautiful. I love that line. God's judgment and salvation are clearly displayed in God's actions and in the symbolism of the Passover ritual. See, this Passover feast, it was bloody and it was beautiful at the same time. And the beautiful thing is it was supposed to represent what was to come. Israel had no idea that what they were doing that night was actually going to be instituted as a feast that they were supposed to do every year. They had no idea that they would continue that feast for thousands of years down the road. And they had no idea that 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 feast would culminate, would come together at the moment of Jesus on the cross. In fact, what's, what's incredible about this is last night started Passover. Last night was the first night of the Passover feast to be celebrated with the blood of the lamb covered then, that what the blood of the lamb covers today, now. You see, if you you didn't realize this, that that blood of the lamb, that little lamb that was killed, it, it, it didn't take away the sins of people. It just covered them temporarily. That sin didn't go away, but it was representing what was to come that, that God himself would come down to this earth in the form of a human being named Jesus. In fact, Jesus gets called the Lamb of God, the Lamb who was slain over and over again in the New Testament. In fact, as Jesus kicks off his ministry, as he, he steps into ministry, the, the way he gets introduced is here comes the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of his people. You see, it was, it was a representation, and Israel had no idea. See, God was writing this story, and if he's writing this story, Israel got to live it out, but the story was for us to read today. Thousands of years later, we get to read the story and see the connection that was made, to see the beauty of Passover and what God did there, representing that it was Jesus to come and that we are now to be covered by the blood of the Lamb, and it just doesn't cover us, but it literally takes our sin Scripture says that Jesus became sin on our behalf. Like it wasn't just swept under a rug. It was that he took it upon himself. And now we're called to do two things, right? We're called to do something very practical, to have faith and take a step of obedience. 
to be practical and to be public with our faith, to live it out, to, to share the gospel, to make this salvation known. This is Passover. This is what Jesus came and what he accomplished. But I, I want to kind of wrap things up with this one thought because I think there's a lot of people in this room, I think there's a lot of people watching online right now where you might be in this place. And it's honestly, it's carrying a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. You see, what Israel was supposed to do was there to take the blood, we talked about this, they paint it on the doorpost, they shut the door, and have a great night. Right? And, and, and the angel of death came, and he passed over the house that they had the blood. But what the angel of death did not do is get to look behind those closed doors. The angel of death did not look behind the closed doors. In other words, the angel of death didn't come see the blood and go, well, let's look in the window. Do you, do you have your stuff all figured out? Is there any junk behind the door? Is there anything going on behind that closed door where you're not worthy of this blood and I should just take you anyways? That didn't happen. That wasn't the point. See, we get that there's some stuff going on behind closed doors. Just this last year, just this last year, let's just take the last 12 months. In the last 12 months, you know, pornography use is through the roof, right? Day drinking, alcoholism, through the roof. Divorce rates, through the roof. Just over the last 12 months. But there's people, you guys, there's people watching right now. There's people in this room that you have decades of junk that's been piled up behind those closed doors. And what often our response is to God's grace and God's goodness is, let me get my junk cleaned up first, right? Let me figure out my life and then I can come to you. Let me figure this all out and then I can act my faith. Like, I, I, gotta, I gotta clean up, I gotta remodel, there's a bunch of trash in here, I gotta get myself clean before I can come and be redeemed. That is literally the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. Jesus says, come to me. Come, all who are weary. Come as you are. It's not about cleaning up what's behind those closed doors. In fact, in fact, what it is about is about something entirely different. See, Israel, they, they put the blood over the doors. They received redemption. See, through judgment comes their salvation. And then what do they do? They get up and they leave Egypt. Too many of us have, have experienced God's salvation, but we haven't left Egypt yet. We're still sitting in that same junky house, that same house as the slave, the slave houses. We sit in them, and we're still enslaved to, the, to, to Egypt, and yet salvation's already come, and we can go. We can leave, and what does that look like to leave Egypt for you today? It might mean confessing some sins to somebody and praying with them. It might mean that you need to go get some counseling. It might mean that you need to forgive somebody. It might need that you need to ask forgiveness for somebody. But you don't have to sit as a slave anymore. See, Egypt, or Israel was called out of Egypt, and they were actually sent into a wandering. They were sent to get refined by God before they entered into the promised land. And church, we're in the same place. Jesus has come. We've received salvation. We've been able to leave Egypt, right? But we're kind of in a wandering. God's kingdom has come, but it's not here yet. And we're in this wandering as the church going, okay, God, we know you're coming, but church, we can have hope today and we can have faith because God is gonna do what he said he's going to do and his kingdom is coming. And so today, I just wanna, I wanna ask you, where are you at today? 
Maybe you're in here and, and you're just needing to stop carrying the burden of your own salvation. Stop trying to prove yourself to God, trying to, trying to earn your way into heaven. It's, it's undoable. Maybe that's where you're at today. And you just need to trust the blood of the lamb today. Maybe you're in this room today and, and, and you need to realize that salvation has come and it's time to get up and it's time to leave Egypt. Maybe that's where you are at today. Maybe you need to take a step of obedience by going public with your faith. Maybe you, you, you said you have faith in God, but you've never actually taken a step of obedience, but you're going to allow that faith to, to grow in you right now, and you're going to take a step of obedience by going public with your faith. On your seat, you have these, these action cards. We've been doing them every week because I don't want you to leave empty-handed. I don't want you to leave the same way you came. I don't want you to leave not challenged, not knowing what to do. And so if you want to grab those really quick, if you're watching online, you can go to our website. They're right there. You can download them as well. But maybe today your action is to stay, say yes to Jesus, and that's what you're going to do. You, you, you've heard about Jesus. You, you, you maybe kind of had faith that he was real, but no, you're going to take a, a step of faith to say yes to Jesus today. Maybe today your action step is to get baptized. And you need to go up, get up, and go out right now. When I say, in just a moment, when I, when I pray, you need to go get baptized. And if you, that's you today and you want to get baptized, we have everything you need just out in the lobby. We got shorts, shirts, towels, all of it. Comes in a nice little bag. It's pretty cool. Right? There's no excuses to not get baptized today. So if that's you, I'm going to pray in just a minute. And when I say amen, just go right out to the lobby and they'll get you set up to get baptized today. Maybe you need to have a conversation with someone just about the words that you've been writing on your doorposts. How have you been trying to be your own savior? How have you been trying to earn your way to heaven? What have you been doing? Maybe you just need to talk about that. And finally, maybe you need to take a practical step of obedience. Maybe there's something that God's been calling you to do and you haven't had the faith to do it and today's the day where you're gonna take a step of obedience to do it. Church, I wanna encourage you. I wanna tell you, watching online, I want you to know you can be covered by the blood of the Lamb today. And that is salvation, that is freedom from bondage of sin and death, and you can walk through a journey but to that promised land, and you can trust that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are trustworthy. We thank you that we can put all of our hope, all of our trust in you and you alone. God, that we are not our own saviors. Forgive us for trying. God, free us from the burden and the weight of trying. God, there's people in this room right now, I pray you would open their eyes. That seed of truth has been falling. It's, it's in their soul right now. God, I pray that you would grow it. Lord, there's people that are just terrified right now to take a step of obedience. God, I pray you would empower them right now just to get up, go out and get baptized. Or God, maybe it's a phone call they need to make. Maybe it's a conversation they need to have when they leave this place. But God, I pray you would empower them. God, we thank you for your salvation, and we recognize it is by you and you alone. And God, and on this Passover day, Lord Jesus, we recognize that you are the Passover lamb that came to take the sins of the world. God, help us to put our faith in that, and that faith would stir us to make moves of obedience towards you and make our salvation public. We love you, Jesus. Amen. 
Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.